sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And today's buzz is people versus numbers. Say what? Yes, people versus numbers. Which should matter more to your business success? Hmm, very widely debated, like the chicken and the egg and who crossed the road first. We're going to hear from the following experts. They have a lot to say, so listen up. We'll hear from Greta Roberts. She says, numbers are the language of business. That's a pretty powerful statement, Greta. If employees want to be valued, they need to be measured in a way that business understands as numbers. We'll have Greta expand on that in just a couple of minutes. We're also joined on the panel by Haig Nalbantian, and Haig says, too many organizations give lip service to the people side, but fail to apply real discipline to workforce management. Hmm. They rely instead on intuition. We know what that is. Benchmarks or so-called best practices to inform their people-related decisions. We have a lot to learn from Haig today. We're also going to be speaking with Russ Campanello. And Russ says it's time to begin measuring and thereby differentiating our business with the human capital metrics that drive performance and generate value. We still value and report the buildings more than the people inside them. Hmm. Interesting take. Those of you who are listening saying, yeah, they're counting chairs and cubicles more than me. Well, we'll find out from Russ how that goes in the real world. We're also talking to Steve Bose, and Steve says revenue per employee can tell you just about everything you need to know about your business. That's a big statement. Steve will explain later. And rounding out the panel is Henner Schliebs, and Henner says democratizing analytics will be the big differentiator in 2013. Another powerful statement. So join me in my packed house panel. There's not a seat to be had at the Game Changers table today. Our topic is workforce analytics. Real people, real numbers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to be here. We are live. It is February the 6th, 2013 and we're here on the Business Channel and the name of our show is Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Before I introduce my guests in detail, I have a quick note for my listeners. Are you ready to work smarter, sell better, and win more? We know that's what it's all about. Find out how some salespeople are becoming more effective than their competition. Go to the business channel on World Talk Radio, a.k.a. Voice America. Look for our coffee cup logo and click any banner on our page. You go to a page with a free sales on demand solution brief. Learn more with our compliments. Okay, let's get down to business. I'm going to introduce my guests and you'll hear their wonderful 
voices saying hello, and then we'll go back and deep dive into their quotes. Greta Roberts created Talent Analytics, a company that utilizes the discipline of analytics to understand human traits. How? In a way that is useful for businesses. That's what she stands for as CEO and creator of Talent Analytics. More than 450 companies use Greta's SaaS solutions to quantitatively measure, value, and allocate natural traits of their employees. Very intriguing. Welcome, Greta Roberts. How are you? Thanks, Bonnie. Glad to be here. I'm delighted to be joined by these fabulous folks on the panel. Wonderful. And I have to say thank you, Greta, for helping us put this panel together. Absolutely. And the topic, very grateful. Can't wait to hear from you. Let's talk to Haig R. Nalbanti. And Haig is a senior partner at Mercer and a founder of its Workforce Sciences Institute. A labor economist, Haig has been instrumental in developing Mercer's unique capabilities to measure the economic impact of human capital practices. His Harvard Business Review article, Making Mobility Matter, won the Academy of Management's 2010 Award for Outstanding Practitioner-Oriented Publication. Welcome, Haig. How are you today? I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you so much uh, for having me, and I'm really eager to uh, uh, in, engage in this discussion. And you certainly will. I'm not letting anybody out of this. Russ Campanello is Senior Vice President of Human Resources at iRobot Corporation. That's interesting. Hey, uh, Russ is responsible for developing the HR strategies. I'm trying to put ro- robots and HR together, Russ. You'll help me with that. Developing the HR strategies and delivering HR products and services that enable iRobot to attract and develop the talent to what? Change the world through robotic innovation. Russ was named to HR Magazine's prestigious 50 for history listing. Woohoo! Welcome, Russ Campanello. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And my mother works for Workforce Magazine, which is how I got that recognition. As an honest man in the house, this is very good to know. Steve Bose is co-chair of Human Resource Executive Magazine's HR Technology Conference, and he's a technology editor for LRP Publications. He also hosts a popular radio program. I want to know if it's as popular as our show called HR Happy Hour, opening communications lines among HR thought leaders, practitioners, and service providers in global HR. Welcome, Steve Bose. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. A lot to hear from you as well. And rounding us out is Henner Schliebs. Henner is a director for solution marketing at SAP. With over 10 years of analytics experience, Henner is responsible for driving the adoption of analytics solutions from SAP portfolios across all departments outside of IT and tearing down those silos. I want to hear you tear them down. Welcome, Henner. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm great, and I'm happy to be part of this show. Wonderful. We have the table is so. Would somebody give us somebody else a little elbow room? I see Greta's getting a little crowded over there. So move over, whoever's next to her. Okay, please, Greta, my dear. Let's deep dive into your quote. My goal is to get everybody into this first segment so we could chat a little bit about what you meant. So Greta, very powerful. Numbers are the language of business. If employees want to be valued, they need to be measured in a way that business understands as numbers. That's that's heavy duty, Greta. Tell me what you mean. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. You know, if you look at anything inside of an organization, any asset, and you would talk to an executive, they would brag about things like, you know, sales are up by 20% or customer service scores were down by 13% or we beat our competitors by three months. Those are the language of business, and that's what um, investors care about. That's what shareholders care about. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the most valuable asset, they'll say, we think our people are our greatest asset, but there's no number associated with that. And so 
um, I'd just like to consider the concept for leading-edge organizations that are able to say things like, 90% of our customer service reps were hired for their deep love of helping people, which lets us know and we can actually predict our customer uh, service scores are going to go up. Or 80% of our sales reps match the top benchmark for top-performing sales reps from a natural talent perspective. That's where you actually affix numbers and you understand and value the people that are doing the work. So that's what I meant by that. It really is the language of business. Thank you, Greta. We'll talk later in the show when we get into the roundtable about why people are so offended. People say, I don't want to be just a number. And you hear taglines of businesses, we treat you like more than a number. Well, get over it. So we'll talk to you more about that, Greta. Haig, let's move to your quote, please. Too many organizations give lip service to the people side but fail to apply real discipline to workforce management. Talk to me. They rely on intuition. Is there still such a thing as intuition in business, Haig? Really? Oh, yeah, still very much so, and, and still very much uh, ideology and, um, um, uh, you, you know, management by slogan uh, in, in the people realm. And, and, and when you think of it, you know, we're, we're in what will be called the human capital age. Um, we know that there's really nothing more significant for, for growth, whether it's in, for organizations or, in, or entire economies, than the ability to secure and effectively manage the right workforce. The question is, what are organizations doing to actually show that they manage their workforce as if it were this significant asset uh, driving economic growth? You know, I I often ask leaders uh, that question, uh, especially leaders who talk about uh, people are our most important asset, to Greta's point. And um, they still can't point all too often to specific things they do that show the, a, a, a real disciplined approach to people management. And, um, you know, I, I think that the data is clear and uh, the application of more sophisticated workforce analytics in, uh, in uh, large uh, organizations is showing the enormous uh, value um, to uh, the ability of organizations um, to rely on a more empirical basis to really understand what are the right kinds of people, mm-hmm. the right kinds of skills, capabilities, know-how to support our business aims, and then to what extent are we managing that workforce in a way that optimizes value both for the business and for our employees. And I think it's a win-win for both sides. The evidence is there. The question is, will uh, we see acceleration in the deployment of these methods? Thank you, Hey, Great point. A win-win for the people and the company. What a thought. Russ Campanello, it's time to begin measuring and differentiating our business with human capital metrics that drive performance and generate value. I love this next statement. We still value and report the buildings more than the people inside of them. Ouch, Russ. Ouch. Talk to me. Talk to me. Uh, uh, we're just trying to get, I, I'm just trying to get attention on the topic. I, I think since the beginning of time, we've, we've been focusing in business on financial metrics. Uh, Greta referenced a few earlier. And I think I think we have to take a few moments to rethink the, the, the focus on what capital metrics are. Capital, if you look up the definition, is really what's most important, the most important metrics, and those are the ones that generate real value for business. And in a in an economy that's largely driven by by services, service-based economy, uh, it is the, it's the people that drive the differentiated values. You know, uh, Greta was also talking earlier about sales and customer satisfaction and productivity. Uh, you, you know, we know, uh, and I'm sure we'll learn more in this hour, mm-hmm. what, what knowledge, skills, abilities, motivators, 
uh, are what drive performance in each of those competencies. We, we can assemble the capabilities to be able to drive differentiated performance in each of those. And we, we need to start thinking about those more than what, what the, what the uh, short-term investment vehicle we, ca- we carry on our balance sheet is delivering, from us, uh, delivering to us. We really need to be thinking about the capital metrics, the people metrics, to generate value in an economy that's largely driven by services and by IP, the intellectual property that comes from people. Thank you very much, Russ. Let's turn to Steve Bowe. Steve says, revenue per employee can tell you just about everything you need to know about your business. Really, Steve, talk to me. Well, you know, I, I like to keep things simple. I'm a simple guy, uh, Bonnie, I must tell you. And uh, I think one of the dangers that, that we'll see and, and maybe some organizations already starting to see is they're kind of they're kind of drowning in data already. Like, I, I feel like there's not really a shortage of data. It's a shortage of time to ask the right questions, it's a shortage of mm-hmm. maybe technical capability in order to make sense of the data. But there's not a data shortage. In fact, Lots of organizations, there's too much data. So what uh, the, the reason I, I pitched that quote was I like the idea of keeping things simple, at least uh, at the beginning. And revenue per employee, to me, is just the single best sort of scorekeeping metric that, that kind of helps evaluate the effectiveness of, of people management and people practices in organizations. And, you know, it's completely business-related. Mm-hmm. Uh, people understand it. Uh, the HR organizations have a lot of control over the, the most cost in an organization, which is the people cost. Uh, you can evaluate the relative effectiveness and or attractiveness of different people management investments based on how they're going to move the needle on revenue per, per employee. So uh, for all those reasons, I think it's a, great, uh, it's a great starting point and a good discussion point to talk about metrics in an organization uh, vis-a-vis uh, the people inside the organization. Good. Appreciate that. And, Henner, we're going to squeeze you in just before we go to break. I'm going to ask you to explain your quote in 30 seconds, and then we'll pick you up after the break. But let's get you in here. Henner Schlieb says, democratizing analytics will be the big differentiator in 2013. Give me 30 seconds just to whet our appetite, Henner, and then we'll go to break, please. Yes, Steve brought it to the point. Uh, Data is everywhere. You find data, data, data everywhere. You just open up your browser, you find data, (laughs) which might be relevant to your business. The problem is that the relevant internal data of your company is not available to you, and this is what I mean with regards to uh, democratizing analytics. This means business without boundaries. I will have information coming from finance. I will have information coming from product management. I will have information coming from uh, the the sales side of the house, which makes me as a marketing guy uh, doing my job better and making fact-based decisions. So big data and analytics is the top, uh, top topic uh, for 2013, and making analytics available to everybody is really differentiating the business. So you can leverage the full potential of your workforce, giving the people the right tools at hand in order to make fact-based decisions. Thank you. Thank you, Henner. We are up against our seconds. break. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like you already. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. When we come back, I'm going to ask my esteemed guests, Greta Roberts, Hagnell Banti, and Russ Campanello, Steve Bose, and Henner Schleeps, what they're drinking today and where they're calling from. We just are dying to know. Then we'll deep dive into our topic, workforce analytics, real people, real numbers, real good stuff. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out. 
The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. Je pense donc je suis. I never know why I say that on the show. It just seems to make sense. Greta Roberts, where are you calling from today? How's the weather and what's in your cup, Greta? Great. Uh, thanks, Bonnie. We're, I, we're, I'm calling today from Cambridge, Massachusetts, where we got some uh, snow last night, and I think a Yankee Clipper storm is on its way, so uh, it's imminent. What's in my cup? Actually, uh, the more interesting thing, of course, I always have to change the rules a little bit, is uh, mm-hmm. um, what is my coffee cup? Because what's in it is just regular old uh, coffee. But the confession I have to make is that um, I'm a uh, Krispy Kreme fan, and um, especially the Krispy Kreme donuts at uh, New York's Penn Station. And so my coffee cup is a Krispy Kreme uh um, coffee cup just to remind me of uh, something I really love. So um, there you go. That is what, <laughs> that, is what is my coffee cup. I like that indulgence. And, you know, after the show, you're going to send me a, a snail mail address, Greta, and I'd be delighted to send you the official SAP Coffee Break with nice. Game Changers mug. So next time you're on the show, you can tell me what's in your official mug, and we'll there do that, go. too. So there you go. And that's an Thank offer you. to all of my guests. Thank you. Hey, now, Bantian, where are you calling from? I've never asked guests, what's the weather there? And what are you drinking today, Haig? Well, Bonnie, I'm afraid I'm not very original in this area. You know, I uh, live and work in Manhattan, and I'm calling from uh, my office in uh, Midtown uh, Manhattan on a actually quite beautiful uh, sunny day here for a change. Yes. Um, you know, I, when I come into the office in the morning, I pass a variety of specialty coffee shops that overwhelm you with choice, and I pass them all by and go right to the little street vendor. Uh, who serves me plain old uh, caffeinated coffee in one of those classic blue Manhattan <laughs> or Greek coffee cups, as they call them. Yes, yes, And so I'm yes. sitting here looking at uh, a little Greek ornamentation, and um, that makes me feel at home, and I always work best the more I feel at home. That's lovely. That's absolutely lovely. Okay, thank you. And, Russ, what, what drink is thou? Where art thou? And what's it doing? Rain, <laughs> snow, sleet, hail? Talk to me. Thou art in uh, Bedford, Massachusetts, where it's uh, a little north of uh, where Greta, Greta calls home. And uh, mm-hmm. we had uh, a little snow last night, and uh, I'm at my office drinking a cup of Carpe Diem coffee. Mm. Uh, it's actually it's a, it's a roast. The roast, the Carpe Diem roaster. I think they're in Maine, 
the blend of coffee I found right after a local coffee shop that was in the Boston area called the Coffee Connection went out of business, and I, w- I never found another cup of coffee as good. And a friend of mine says, I need something that's going to grab me in the day. And he said, you, then you need Carpe Diem coffee. And he sent Ooh. me a pound, and I've been drinking it ever since. <clears throat> Very charming story, Carpe Diem. Seize the day we're going to do that. Steve, what are you drinking and the rest of all that good stuff? Talk to me. Yes, hello. I'm in uh, beautiful upstate New York, uh, just outside of Rochester, New York, where it's cold and snowing and all of that. I've got uh, Diet Coke. That's what I've got, Bonnie. It's... uh is it warm or cold? You gotta tell me. The Coke or the weather? Yeah. The weather's quite no, the, cold. Bob. I know the weather's you are cold, but. In New York, it's freezing. Is this, is the soda warm or cold? Cause we have a regular guest who is, always drinks warm Dr. Pepper when he's on the show. Yeah. So I wanna know. That's a little, that's a little weird. I know, it's quite cold, <laughs> uh, just like the weather. Uh, I'm Diet Coke man all the way. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I make the transition from coffee to Diet Coke at approximately 10.30 every morning, which I did this morning. Oh. Okay, good to know you're transitioning. Heather, what are you drinking and where are you? Hey, I'm in the south. I recently moved to Austin, Texas, as you can hear by my accent, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think That's this is a coffee I break comedy. Is. This is a coffee break comedy <laughs> show. I'm, I'm drinking you are. triple espresso, and there's a little story behind oh, it. Uh, this espresso yes. is called Geisha. A friend of mine, he's uh, mid-30s, but he has already purchased a lot in Panama for his retirement plans. And he's growing coffee over there. And once a year we go there and uh, take the harvest, bring it over to, uh, in this case, California, where he's living. And he's roasting the coffee beans, the espresso beans, uh, in his garage. And he shares them with uh, friends like me. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm drinking. Nice. Keisha is the name. Great. And whenever you are in need of good espresso beans, let me know. I can uh, provide you with uh, a pack or two. Thank you. And, Hender, we're loving your Texas accent. It's very distinctive. <laughs> really terrific. I, I'm doing a tally here. I'm in New York on Long Island, and, yes, it is sunny, and it might have snowed, but it's gone already. So I think we have three New York people on the line, a couple from Massachusetts, and we've got a Texan here. This is a great, great mix. Okay, let's dive into our topic, workforce analytics, real people, real numbers. Greta, I won't fall back on ladies first, but you sent me a great alternate quote in addition to the one we used in the monologue. I want to start with this because I think it brings to the forefront and and the core of people are complaining. You say every person is both a person and a number. We all have heights. We have weights. We have social security numbers. It's not an either or situation. So Greta, let's use this as a jumping off point, please. Why do people get so annoyed when they say you're treating me like a number? What's so evil about that? Tell me. Yeah, I think people jump to the fear that um, that if you say you are this, that um, then it takes away the humanness. And, you know, in thinking about this show, I, I think there's also a concept that people are trying to pull the wool over. Like, I don't want you to know really the gifts and and the value that I bring to an organization because I'm trying to pitch myself as having skills in this area versus that area. And so, and so I think people are, are concerned that they're being put in a box and that it's going to be used in an evil way. What they, and maybe they had a bad experience, but I've had a bad experience mm-hmm. being hired based on intuition as well. But for some reason, mm-hmm. it, you know, analytics, you know, is, and this gets to kind of Henner's point about democratizing analytics so that everybody can use it. I think people are concerned it pigeonholes them, but I love the concept of really raising the, uh, 
um, the, the thoughtfulness around, you know, saying, hey, if you're an engineer, that's a box, but it's a box that only has one container. You're an engineer. But when you really, you know, ascribe a number like, you know, a height, a weight, an IQ, you know, a certain level of assertiveness, a certain level of altruism, a certain level of experience, et cetera, in an, in an interesting way, I think the numbers give people their humanity and their granularity and a lot of texture back because, you know, we've really just put people in a box and said, you're a sales rep, you're an executive, you're a leader, and that's like really one thing. So I think people are scared because they don't know what it means. But with analytics, you know, kind of the approach today, it really is we're seeing with our clients that it's giving people their humanity and this fabulous uh, texture back. But people are scared, um, and I understand that. Thank you, Greta. I appreciate that. I, I want to bring Haig into this. And anybody on the panel, please feel free to jump in at any point. I'm just going to go down the list of talking points to get everybody in here. But I wanted to turn to Haig and talk about the economics of workforce management. We all know businesses are not in business just to be nice to everybody. Hello. What a revelation. Wake up and smell somebody's coffee. Business means making money at some level to survive and grow a business and give people back some kind of remuneration for their value. In the business. Okay, so let's get over that. So, hey, talk to me. Uh, an economic approach to workforce management requires determining the level and cost of your investments. And the investments in people are you got to hire them, you got to find them, you have to train them. Recruitment has its cost, searching has its cost. You need rewards, you need ways of making them, putting them in the right place at the right time with the right equipment. So, is there a humanity to this, really, Hague? Oh, I, th- I think there's very much a humanity. And, you, you know, I think. You know, when we talk uh, about people as an asset or work for, the workforce as an asset, can understand why that puts people uh, back uh, on their hind legs and, and looks uh, challenging. But when you think about it, uh, we take more care of our assets, right? We, when we say something is an asset, we, we're saying it's something that is to be valued because it creates value. Um, mm-hmm. And if we bring more of an asset management approach to the workforce overall, we are uh, helping both the economics of the organization and the economics of its employees because we're ensuring that the investments we make, real tangible investments in all of these decisions that, that you, uh, you alluded to, you know, whether we train more or invest more mm-hmm. in supervision or put more into variable pay or, or – uh, adopt uh, force rankings in our performance management system. All of these decisions uh, require choices. And, and how can you make good choices uh, if you don't have some ability to estimate the likely benefit relative to the known cost? And we all benefit from that because the resources go to the places that generate the highest value and ensure that we, uh, as, as employees, are doing the things that uh, make us productive in the in the workforce, and that we don't let um, you know casual comparisons uh, end up leading our companies astray. I'll give you one quick example. Please, yes. Um, you know, economics has uh, contributed to this misperception that labor is the variable cost of production. Well, we're learning more and more that there is an important fixed cost to labor, and that's the investment in capabilities that are very specific to a firm. And it's so sad to see still so many organizations, when times get bad, moving quickly to layoffs and cutbacks as if they can uh, shed uh, that firm-specific knowledge and capability um, and get it back quickly when times get better. You can't. Um, 
and understanding the extent to which that firm-specific knowledge really drives value is one of the mm-hmm. most important decisions that companies need to uh, make, and it's, it's, they, they need to understand it so they don't fall into the trap of treating labor as if it were only a variable cost. That's to the benefit of employees and uh, the business alike. Very interesting perspective. I'm going to open up uh, two comments here from Russ or Steve or Henner on what Haig just said. Agree, disagree? What do you think? Well, this is Russ. I'd, I'd like to, mm-hmm. I'd like to uh, I generally agree with both comments. I want to go back to your original con- question, though, about that people don't want to be a number. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's, a, that's a little bit in business of a legacy of a, 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 a different era where people were seen as replaceable units. Yeah. The, the marketing profession, the people who, who market to us in, uh, you know, in our mail, on the television, on the, on the Internet, have worked on mass customization to fit the profile of a consumer that they're looking to get, and they, they aggregate that information. They do that to be able to drive behavior that meaning purchasing. If we could, mm-hmm. we, we need to be applying that same kind of thing. I think that underlying Haig's point is, is we got to we got to be able to customize our employment experience by paying attention to the people and understanding the, the nuances that drive them, to drive the behavior that deliver the economic values for our businesses. You can't just keep investing without get, understanding what the return for that investment is on the on on the people assets of the business. Thank you, Russ. You know, we're already at a break point here. When we come back, we're going to go around the block, around the panel here, and talk about the value of people to the brand. Are the ambassadors for business your employees? What's really representing you? We're going to talk about data, 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 big data. And Steve is saying people have a lot of data, but no time to look at it properly. We're going to get Henner in on this. So we're talking about workforce analytics, real people, real numbers, really great panelists. Sorry we're out of time, but we've got a packed house today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, this is Coffee Break with Game Changers. Right back with more Roundtable. And don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. 
here we are. We have a late incoming tweet from Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP, my co-producer and tweeter extraordinaire. He's the designated tweeter, by the way, during the show. And he says he's back to his favorite Equator coffees, Alligator French, bold, rich, and dark as the night. That's so sexy, Malcolm. Okay, Steve Bowes, let's kick it off. We're talking about workforce analytics, people, numbers. You say most organizations, you don't think they have a data shortage, they have a shortage of time. Let's talk about data surrounding these these numbers called employees, these employees called numbers. Let's kick this off, Steve. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think, Bonnie, my take on this was, and I had a conversation today with a woman who's the head of HR for a mid-sized company, probably a couple thousand employees, you know, a couple hundred million in revenue. Now, I'm not a tiny company, and we were talking about uh, systems this morning, and she kind of related to me a common story that we see a lot uh, in, in HR organizations today, that they have a, they have lots of data. They have, they've had an HRIS system forever. They've got a payroll provider. They've got a benefits outsourcing provider that, provi- that gives them plenty of data. They've, they've got a performance management application, you know, compensation tool in-house that they use. There's, there's loads and loads of data, and they're struggling with trying to, to do a couple of things. One is certainly just to bring together the data in a way that, uh, that can present the data in a way that's accessible, that's uh, understandable, relatable, and, and then can hopefully help them to derive some meaning out of the data to, to help better understand their business and better understand their people strategies. And, and her biggest problem to me was she felt was not a technology problem per se or an understanding problem or an awareness problem as an HR department that they needed to do this. It was just rather that we're still buried in our normal HR jobs, right? Those administrative tasks, whether it's a governmental reporting, local labor things, employee relations, those pesky employees still getting up to no good from time to time in organizations <laughs> and so on and so forth. So really I think the challenge is in the next wave of, I think, interesting technology solutions, because that's where I come from, will be the ones that can help organizations make sense of data that they already have faster, make it more accessible, make it more meaningful to them. Great points. I'm going to bring Henner in because Henner has a similar comment. Henner said to me, data, but he said, Bonnie, data is ubiquitous, but what do senior managers do with it? Henner, let's go with that one. Where do you see them? Do they, do they need to be specially trained to look at this data and help the organization? What do they do? Yeah, excellent question. Let me quickly come back to Steve because uh, Steve mm-hmm. just built the bridge over to uh, 21st century technology right now. We're, we're talking about intelligent HR organizations that provide business value to other departments. As an example, Deloitte in North America, for example, they, they browse their uh, CVs electronically. They, they derive important information out of CVs from existing employees. They browse their alumni network and then combine this data with uh, their CRM information in order to find out um, touch points within prospective customers. So they have a competitive advantage when they are pitching with their competitors um, for, for projects uh, at customers because they exactly know what are my employees um, that have previously worked with this uh, customer? What are the customer uh, employees that have previously worked with Deloitte? How many pitches did we have already with this customer? How many did we win? And why did we win? Why did we lose some pitches? And this is an intelligent HR organization that provides data for the business. And as Steve mentioned, it is not that we're having a shortage of data. We're having too much information everywhere. The point is bringing this data intelligently into a system where everybody can make use of it. So this this is the point I'm having. And 
uh, talking about senior management, um, mm-hmm. I see uh, within our customer base a lot of problems uh, coming from senior management because there is still silo thinking. Tearing down the silos between the departments would really make uh, um, enterprises way more um, successful these days because um, the left hand knows what the right hand is doing. And exactly the uh, Deloitte example is a great cross-departmental view on analytics data. And to make money, you have to invest money. We, we had a recent um, research last year with Nucleus Research. They figured out $1 investment in analytics has a return of $10.66. And this is, this is really how you can make the money. Wow, I wish the stock market were doing that well. I want to bring Greta into this. Greta, you say, this is going right to the point of what Henner is talking about, about breaking down the silos, interdepartmental silos. You say employees belong to the business, not to human resources, not to HR. This sounds very revolutionary to me, or is it evolutionary? Tell me, Greta Roberts. Yeah, thanks. I was sitting here um, wanting to jump up and down and, first of all, agree with Henner, (laughs) and second of all, I think that uh, what I've seen a lot in HR departments is that they go from really struggling, and it's hard, right, to even know, because there's lots of uh, adding to the business of employees and uh, people leaving and, you know, coming and going to really, you know, say, okay, what really is the employee count to wanting to take advantage of all social media and big data and all that sort of thing out there, and I would be overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed, right, even just thinking about that to try to then inform the rest of the organization about anything related to employees. And so I think employee, I think a couple of things. One thing is that I think that employees have been, just because there's a name employee or talent or person or human, that mm-hmm. people think, oh, human, it belongs to human resources. But they're really, they're not working for human resources. They're working for sales or for engineering or for analytics or for other areas. And so the employees belong to the Organization and truthfully, they are the potentially single piece of data that, you know, to Henner's point, cuts across the entire organization because it's kind of that level, that horizontal level of data that, you know, that, that drives, you know, every other decision inside of an organization. So one thing that I would recommend is, you know, big data, absolutely, it's here to stay, you need to harvest it, that sort of thing, but in a way, just to be slightly provocative and controversial, I want to say mm-hmm. to the panel, how dare we go out to big data and start mining all of that if we don't even know what, you know, what our asset, if we haven't measured the assets of our employees, how dare we go to big data um, if we haven't gone to small data, something we own and something not own as, you know, like a slave, but own as these are people that we can ask and that, you know, mm-hmm. they belong to our business. How dare we go outside of an organization sort of, you know, pining and mining and all that sort of thing unless we really understand our internal asset. It feels to me it crosses the organization everywhere, and we've got to understand that first, particularly because the employee is potentially the the most direct link to performance versus, you know, what somebody on social media said, you know, about something else. So it's a little bit provocative, but on purpose, very, I guess. Very. Well, I like that. We, I knew you were going to say something <laughs> provocative, Greta. That's why you're here with us. Who wants to jump on that? Who wants well, to take that know. to the next level? Bonnie, this is Hake. And, yes, um, please. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here jumping, too, because I'm hearing <laughs> a lot of things I, I agree with very strongly. 
um, uh, the, the internal uh, focus and the, the, the whole idea that this is not really about data. Good workforce analytics is not about data. I don't think, frankly, it's primarily about technologies either. It's really about the lens you use yep. to look at those data and make sense of the literally hundreds of measures we could uh, build and capture in organizations. One lens uh, that uh, we like to use, very much a, an economic construct, is this notion of an internal labor market, that the workforce your organization has is actually something that is the outcome of a special kind of market that you manage. You know, you bring people in, mm-hmm. you move them through different assignments, different jobs, different geographies, different businesses, perhaps. You keep some, you lose some, and those are all the, the quantities, or the, the talent flows are the quantities in your market. And... The, the other dimension of a market are the prices, um, and in this case, the rewards. What is it that you're really valuing? And what we find is that if you can understand how that internal labor market is functioning, understand those talent flows, understand what you're really valuing, you can then shape the outcome of that internal labor market to your business needs and produce the kind of workforce that you need. I'll give you a very quick example. We, yes, we had an organization please. we did some work for. Uh, and we found when we analyzed the running record of its business performance that one of the single biggest drivers of success was the uh, tenure of employees in the sales and delivery team. Tenure mm-hmm. from specific knowledge mattered a lot. When we analyzed the internal labor market, we found that they were ceasing to value tenure, that the return to tenure for individual employees had become negative. Why? Because they're paying top dollar to bring in people from the outside and in that process undermining the signals of, of what they value. And guess what? They're starting to lose their seasoned tenured people. Those are critical data points to understand because you can act on them. They're drivers of the outcomes like uh, value-added or sales per employee that are so critical to the business. And it allows you to really focus the lens and, and triage the many metrics to get to the critical few that really matter. Thank you, Haig. I want to bring up another point Greta made, but I'd, Greta, I want to get somebody else in on this. Sure. Uh, Henner, Henner or Steve. Uh, I want to, and, and Russ, of course. Uh, the comment was, businesses, this is heavy, businesses are so busy training their employees to be something they're not good at, underlining not good at, that they overlook where their employees actually excel. Now, before anybody jumps in, I think this would be a topic for an entirely separate show, and we have about three minutes to go till the break which rounds out our roundtable. So I'd love for somebody to jump in. Uh, Russ, Henner, Steve, talk to me. Do you agree? Yes, do you agree? Yes, I totally agree. So uh, we're running an internal uh, pilot right now at SAP where we are analyzing the flow of people. So traditionally it was like uh, you were hired as a junior consultant, then you were a consultant, then you were a management consultant, and you had a family and you figure out, hey, traveling's not that good. Let's go to, mm-hmm. into a pre-sales role. And sooner or later, you go to marketing, etc. What success would it be if we could anticipate if these people would perform well in these new roles if we had more information about the uh, innate traits that uh, Greta was talking about? Why do we train people to be a good marketer if the character of this person is not uh, uh, predestined to um, to uh, be a good marketer because uh, somebody is not um, ready to speak in front of people or whatever, right? So uh, this is this is what we're um, working on internally right now, and I love this statement that Greta has set up. 
Yeah, I agree. Steve, you have a comment on this? A quick yeah, one, please? Yeah, well, I think that's a, there's a bit of human nature in that, too, right? I mean, we're ten, mm-hmm. we, you tend to focus on the negative. So if you have a, a traditional performance review with your manager and he or she says uh, five great things you've done last year and one thing you need to work on, right, you walk out of that meeting thinking only that, right, that bad thing that thing you need to get better on. and. And of I course. think that has a, you know, we, some of the, the people management practices tended to reinforce that, that human trait of, of trying to shore up what you're bad at versus concentrating and focusing more. Uh, and I agree, what you're good at, what you're pre- predisposed to enjoy more, and what suits you better for your career and, and for your lifestyle as well. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that, uh, that, that take. Thank you. And, Russ, I want to get you in before we sneak up to our last break. Quickly, what do you think about all this? Well, I think that, I think all the comments are great. And I would say that I'll go back to Greta's provoking us, uh, which is mm-hmm. to know thy, know thy people. You, you have to, you have to, you, there's no question about it. And I think that's ultimately the functions, the HR functions responsibility to know the, know the competencies, the motivations, the, the core skills and capabilities. But you have to, our task here is aligning them for meaningful impact in the business so that the company can return economic value and thus can continue the investment cycle. And that's where I think it connects back up with the, the bigger trends in the organization. If you're, if you're expanding in international markets, the first thing the HR team should be doing is, look, is understanding where, what we have for skills and abilities and, and, and in doing that, who can speak foreign languages. That should be the content that's being brought to the table by the function. Russ, you just said something so interesting, provocative, and pithy in a good way. I want somebody to crochet it on a, a banner to put on the wall somewhere. We'll, we'll go back and listen to the tape. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're at the end of our roundtable. But don't go away because you know what's coming next. Crystal ball time. I'm going to ask Greta and Haig and Russ and Steve and Henner to look into that crystal ball, polish it off, guys and gals, and tell me what will workforce analytics look like in 2018, five years from today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee break with game changers we'll be right back you don't want to miss this one brad out from the boardroom to you voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision making in real time no matter where they are sap and sybase and sap company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to sap SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are, Crystal Ball time, Greta Roberts, CEO, Talent Analytics. Greta, how's that crystal ball looking for you today? And what do you see ahead five years? I know you're ready for this. You were born ready for this topic. Talk to me, Greta. 
Yes, I'm looking at my crystal ball, and sometimes it's hazy and sometimes it's not. And today, it isn't hazy. It's really clear. Um, look, analytics is expanding into every corner of the organization. It has momentum, and it's the kind of momentum that you just can't stop, and it's not going to be that... You know, years from now, analytics sort of was a trend, and now it's gone. It is continuing. I'm going to pull this up to two years, not five years, Bonnie. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And I predict that in two years, measuring raw talent of every employee is going to be a de facto standard. I think people are, you know, executives want to know, quantify those assets that I have. Because businesses need to know how to allocate their assets, including the employees. Um, Talent assets are simply too important to leave to a hunch. And I think it was Russ that said, you need to know how to align your assets for meaningful value. And you can't, you can't value what you can't measure. And right now, many businesses aren't measuring that. And so when they say, you know, I really value my assets, uh, they really don't. So I think it'll be a de facto. Thank you very much. Let's turn to Haig R. Nalbantian, senior partner at Mercer. Haig, crystal ball, can you go five years for me? Uh, five years sounds good for me, Bonnie. You know, okay. I've been working in this area for about 20 and saw really slow plotting uh, progress in this area in the 90s and uh, slow in the beginning of the decade. And suddenly the last five years, it's absolutely surging. Uh, technology obviously is uh, helping advance it. I think the outsourcing of a lot of uh, HR, the transactional side of HR is advancing it because the strategic focus requires this kind of uh, analytics to understand the economics of uh, human capital. Uh, I expect to see in, in uh, five years um, the application of big data and this emerging discipline of human capital management uh, rival anything we see on the customer side um, that was alluded to early, er, earlier in, in this conversation, that organizations are going to make more and more evidence-based decisions about their workforce, and, and here's the, the big challenge, the investment community is going to start to demand this kind of insight uh, from organizations to say, what are you really doing? What is that asset you have, and what are you really doing to manage it to drive our business? And the traditional measures are just not going to capture it. So I, I see major pushes there. I love Very that. interesting. Yeah, good. we got a lot of crocheting to do with all these slogans. <laughs> Russ Campanello, Senior <laughs> VP Human Resources at iRobot. I want you to look in the crystal ball on workforce analytics, and you have to sneak in an extra 15 seconds about where robotics is going to be in, in five years. So go, Russ Campanello. Okay, well, I'll start with the topic first, and I'll add a piece about robots at the end. So, please, I would. So, I, I think, uh, I think, I think Haig is right. I think Greta is right. I think we're we're close to a tipping point here. And I, I uh, my my heartfelt belief is the, that the the first organization that begins reporting analytics that uh, human capital analytics that align with uh, meeting their business strategies and reduces their execution risk is going to is going to be pointed to by every management uh, uh, book as the model and so my prediction is is going is that in 5 years uh, the, a, a company I've been studying, an HR exec I've been studying for a long time, uh, the company is Google, and the HR mm-hmm. executive is a guy named Laszlo Bach, who'd be an interesting uh, person to talk to about this topic as well. Yeah. That, that uh, Laszlo and Google will be to this topic uh, what Billy Bean and the Oakland Athletics were to uh, baseball <laughs> in terms of statistics. Billy Bean changed baseball 
and the way baseball is managed and organized with the application of, of informatics to the, to the game. <clears throat> and I think, that, I, think in, I think in five years we're going to be talking about uh, someone like Laszlo and some place like Google as being the place that, that did it for the business as well. So that, that's my – and for 15 seconds, yes. on, in five <laughs> years you won't be able to go uh, – uh, 20 feet without ru- running into robotic capabilities. You're gonna, you'll have robotics in different aspects of your home. You'll have it in different aspects of your business. It'll, it'll actually fade into the background, and you'll, it'll, you'll be, it'll be just an anticipated part of your experience. My bet is your coffee is delivered by a robot. Oh, as long as it's good coffee, that's okay with me. Let's turn to Steve Bose, co-chair of Human Resources Executive Magazine's HR Technology Conference and host of HR Happy Hour. I hope you're having a good time on our happy hour here, Steve. Talk yes, to me. I have, and uh, <laughs> I do appreciate, Roth. I'm a big, I'm a big robot guy, right? I'm, I'm always <laughs> writing about the robotic technology in the workplace. I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing at iRobot, so it's Thank great to, to have you uh, on the show as well. So, yeah, I think uh, not such a, such a huge prediction, Bonnie, but I think. For HR organizations and for people management organizations, we'll see analytics just everywhere, right? Is, you know, they'll be closer to the decision points, they'll be closer to the transactional processes, they'll be closer to where the work gets done. So much like today, if you're looking for a restaurant or looking for a book or a, a, a song online or Yelp, Amazon, TripAdvisor, hotel reviews and so on, we'll see that le- some of those similar levels of detail and sort of closeness of analytical information to transactions and to processes. So going to get analytical data won't be something an HR leader will go, have to go and do. That analytical data will be there for her all the time. It'll be just a ubiquitous part uh, of her thought processes and her work processes. Thank you very much. And Henner, last but not least, Director for Solution Marketing at SAP, 10 years in analytics experience. Henner, what's on the landscape on the horizon in your crystal ball, please? I want to understand the algorithm that Jonathan Goldman has established at LinkedIn. So my um, later aunt in Germany turning 72 years tomorrow, she has exactly one connection on LinkedIn, which is a former friend 30 years ago from the uh, East Coast in Cape Cod of the United States. The first person recommended to her was me. I don't have a clue how this is possible. But I'm expecting that exactly these kinds of, of analytics will be available by 2015 for me so I can see on my iPad exactly in the dashboard, Hannah, this is the topic you're going to talk about uh, in the next radio show in order to achieve your um, personal goals and um, receive this multi-million dollar bonus in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> well said. That's one of the best predictions we've ever had. I'm going to take a minute for my own predictions. Next week is Wednesday, February 13th. It's not a bad day. It's not Friday 13th, for goodness sake. We're going to have another HR topic. I think this is HR heaven here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're going to talk about size matters. Whoops. HR at a Fortune 500 company? Is it the same as HR at an SME, small to mid-sized enterprise? I don't think so. We'll be talking to another panel of HR experts. The week after, we're going to be talking about mobility with some folks from Deloitte. Mobility is one of our favorite topics. And on February 27th, we've got a topic known as precision retail. What? you got to tune in and find out. I have a quick, let's see, we have two minutes. I was going to do a bonus question. I'm just going to thank everybody. Greta, Wonderful to have you on board. Thanks for helping put the topic together. Your support, your enthusiasm for Coffee Break with Game Changers is outstanding and very much appreciated. So thank you, my dear. And Haig Arnalbantian, it was wonderful to have you and your great insights. Appreciate it and give everybody at your company our best regards. Thank you, Bonnie. 
Thank you. Russ Campanello and whoever you're related to, love the last name. <laughs> Russ, it's great to meet you and thank you so much for all your insights. Steve, I hope, uh, I hope we've kept you busy and amused. I know you have the HR happy hour. What channel is that on? You want to do a quick plug? The HR Happy Hour is uh, Thursday nights on Block Talk Radio. Uh, you can check us out there. We'll, uh, we do the show every, every other week typically. And, uh, and thanks for, for having me. And I just, I did, I forgot to mention this. Last year at the HR Technology Conference, Bonnie, the biggest conference uh, for HR technology mm-hmm. in the world, the most popular breakout session, uh, was a session on workforce analytics. So uh, very HR folks good to are, know. Are, are receptive to this subject for sure. Mm-hmm. Good. They're all over the place. And you can catch me on my personal radio show, Read My Lips, every Monday night live on Blog Talk Radio. There you go. Talk about plugs. And Henner Schliebs. Henner, thank you so much for joining us. And all best wishes to you on your move to Texas. And we can't wait for that Texas accent. So thank you. <laughs> I have some shout-outs. Thank you to Anka Rebel and Reed Hornberger. And Malcolm Kimberlin and Greta, again, thank you again. And Brad and Jeff and everybody at the Business Channel team. And here's my call to action. Are you ready, kids? What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Over and out. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.